Hey, here we go into a new week with Monday Sports Talk. Hope the start of your week has been all right. Hot and muggy today. It's going to be a, a doozy the rest of the week as well when it comes to the heat and humidity. Uh, we're here to help uh, try to keep things a little bit cool. It's Sports Talk, and we go till 6 o'clock. I am Scott Beatty. Evan Kahn is here as well. Next hour, the News Gazette Sports Writers, the award-winning News Gazette Sports Writers, and Steve Kelly will take you in the back half of the show. And, uh, well, MLB trade deadline news is dominating uh, the national sports headlines. We've got some football audio to bring you as well from Illinois' training camp that's into day number three as well. Good to see you, sir. Happy trade deadline yeah. Uh, well, technically it's tomorrow, right? But, I mean, we're kind of coming up on it. We're, we're in the 25-hour window, yeah. so, yeah, we'll, we'll say it's trade deadline day. But things really just kind of picked up out of nowhere. Woo! We were chilling there in, in the month of July, and then football camp opened on Saturday, and we've got all that going on. And, and we knew that the trade deadline was coming up as well, and football season, you know, that they always stay in the headlines some way or another. So there, there's plenty to, to talk about here yep. today. Also, volleyball making some noise here with some headlines starting to come out as we are ramping up towards August 27th, the day that not only Illinois football starts its season, but Illinois volleyball uh, gets going as well. They'll begin the season in Mississippi against Georgia Tech, and they will play Georgia Tech on the 27th and then Ole Miss on the 28th. Big Ten Volleyball Media Day is going on today and tomorrow. We'll bring you some coverage from Illinois' appearance there tomorrow with head coach Chris Thomas and Diana Brown, the setter for Illinois, and Kennedy Collins, upperclassman, middle blocker. So we'll bring you uh, some of that tomorrow. Today, some of those preseason things, those things that we do at the beginning of the season, including preseason honors. Raina Terry, the lone representative for Illinois on the preseason all-conference team. No surprise. Not at all. And, uh, you know, Diana Brown's a good setter. That's a crowded field mm-hmm. when it comes no, to only, setters. Only one team. spot there, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see, Illinois picked sixth in a tie with Michigan in the preseason poll. Wisconsin, to maybe no one's surprise, projected to win it again as they did last year and of course they took the natty wisconsin nebraska minnesota ohio state penn state illinois michigan and when you're tied for sixth in a preseason poll in volleyball in the big 10 <laughs> you're already a pretty good program the, the issue is is you're playing with <laughs> in the best conference in the league in the in the country yeah, a few teams ahead of them that you would expect to be up there. Ohio State's really kind of risen up as far as the Big Ten, but Illinois still staying in the hunt. Uh, you know, only one uh, preseason all-conference kind of player, so you figure they're somewhere in the middle of the pack. But I, I think last year, not a whole lot of people had them as a top. 15, 20, 25 team going into the year, and they made their way into the Sweet 16. Didn't really lose a, a whole lot. A couple of, of experienced seniors last year, but they had a lot of experience for the underclassmen and the ones coming back for, for this year. So we'll see what Chris Thomas and the players have to say tomorrow at, at Media Day. And they're getting ready, as you said. Everything just kind of gets going on that Saturday. Of course, soccer, I think, is a week or so before. Yeah, they're the the, the ones that kick things off, so to speak, for 
Illinois athletics. Um, all right, well, let's dive into it. Uh, the moves uh, around baseball start yeah. with the the local impact one with the Cubs. A weird one. Giving up their rookie reliever, Scott Efros, to the Yankees in exchange for a, a minor league right-hander, Hayden Wesneski who uh, I heard has some good breaking stuff. <laughs> That's maybe <laughs> he, his plus side. He's got a, a wiffle ball kind of slider that he likes to throw out the there. The slurve? It, kind of. You, I'll, I'll have to find you the, the video so you can see it. It's it's just nasty. It, it doesn't have so much left-to-right break as it does straight-down break and, and that kind of but thing. Usually that's a curve, but this is a slider. It is a, uh, a slider, similar to the reliever we saw last night out of the bullpen for the Cubs, uh, Yuleman. It was a, a weird cho- move because, like you said, he's a, a rookie. He is still making about $700,000 a year for the next couple, three years in a Cubs team that's kind of building towards Towards the future, but the Yankees are going all in this year. They identified Efros as a guy that they wanted, and the Cubs are in a, in a pretty good position now where they can be like, okay, well, we don't really need this guy, but you've got to meet our offer. And they got a, a guy that's throwing in AAA. They think he could be uh, doing some major league innings next year. So trade out a, a guy that gets you 50, 60, 70 innings a year for a guy hopefully getting you 150 to 200 innings a year. And uh, it's just the start, <laughs> a move that we weren't expecting from the Cubs because they've got a whole lot that we are expecting them to make here in, in the next 25 hours. The Cubs, uh, to their credit or not, depending on how, but obviously this is going to play out at the last minute, but they are holding high leverage at this moment because of obviously Wilson Contreras. I heard some media outlet say, yeah, we'll see if he's, you know, remains a cub or not. Um, and maybe it was the close of Sunday night baseball last night. I think that's maybe how they, uh, I think he's gone. <laughs> I don't think there's a question mark. I get it. You can't say it till it happens, but yeah. And it's, it's just been, uh, I don't know. There the lack of true connections to teams we've been hearing since last October, maybe even last June, that Wilson Contreras was going to be out the door. And we kind of hear vague team connections, you know, maybe the Padres, maybe the Astros. But really here over the last week, there hasn't been anything really picking up steam. I do think that he will eventually get traded. But the like you said, I think the Cubs are in a position where if they don't get what they want from him, they they have no problem giving him a qualifying offer. He could turn that down. He could accept it. Getting Wilson Contreras back for about $20 million isn't really the worst kind of deal that, that you could be in, but I do expect him to get traded because you're hoping this is the last year that the Cubs really are in this mode, and, and Wilson's a guy that can net you a prospect that should be part of the next, that next great Cubs team. Of course, Ian Happ as well on the position side, still on watch for him. Mm-hmm. And then they, they hold a high leverage uh, with David Robertson uh, available as well. So the Cubs, as things get down to the wire, maybe are helping the price go up for themselves. Well, and that started Saturday night when the Mariners gave away their farm for Luis Castillo, the the starting pitcher that, that any contending team wanted, and the Mariners met that price. <laughs> and we're talking about a lot of these teams are, are going out there. And, and, yeah, I think that's kind of moved Soto out of the – 
possibility of getting moved this weekend or the next day or so. I don't really think that's going to happen. But the starting really? pitching market is super high now because of what they gave up for Castillo. We just saw Frankie Montas get traded to the Yankees over the last hour or so. So those are the, the top two guys headed into the deadline. They have now moved on, and now you're looking at the, the Cardinals and the Dodgers and, and maybe even the Astros as to where and who are we going to get for starting pitching help. Trey Mancini to the Astros. That just came down. Mm-hmm. Um, look, these uh, Juan Soto is a move, as we've talked about now a few times here on this show and, and many others. He's a move for not just this year, for but for a long-term future, you would uh, you would think. Mm-hmm. Um, but the starting pitching, I mean, when you see Frankie Montas go, then then I also go, well, he's not going to the Cardinals. Yep. And he's not going to the White Sox. And when Luis, Luis Castillo went, well, he's not going to those two either. And those are two teams that really need a starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. Actually, maybe a couple. <laughs> <laughs> and I, 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 I don't know. I, I do feel like the Mariners are trying to stay in it. But the rich are getting richer here in terms of talent with between the Yankees and I, I'm not convinced the Dodgers won't do something oh, here yeah. uh, significant. Yeah, they, they made the small move. They actually made a deal with the Cubs. Uh, I think that was Saturday. Uh, reliever Chris Martin out to L.A. Just a, a Not very, the Coldplay singer, right? No, they yeah, might be related, but this guy's 6'8". So okay, just making different. sure that wasn't the same guy. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, Jerry DePoto, every year with the Mariners, he's going to make some kind of move, whether it's to make the team better for now or, or for the future, and they're obviously going in, all in. Yankees fans have been mad at Cashman for about the last five years because I don't think they've had a team to go in all in on and he hasn't done that and now he's finally doing it as much and yeah the the Cardinals I I never really envisioned them meeting the price for Castillo I don't know if the Reds were ever really considering trading him in division yeah that's true not not as much of a a concern because he's only got like a year and a half left to control and the Reds aren't intending on competing next year but I didn't think they were going to meet that what what the Mariners gave up and and now it's them finding a a, a deal with a team that likes what they have in their system and I don't think the Cardinals clearly don't really want to touch their top prospects they they really believe in them if they were going to make a big move I think they would have done it if you're a Cardinals fan or a White Sox fan right now are you disappointed there's still time Uh, was seeing stuff I think it was right before the Josh Hader trade went down where people were like well what's going on I thought this was supposed to be a crazy trade deadline okay and then then Josh Hader gets traded am I wrong because I had a meatball take on that and I was go why would you trade your closer if you're a division contender in the Brewers and you get a different closer back (laughs) yeah that was that's like sort of the well you don't know anything Scott you know but what's behind all that it, it just kind of like casually came out, Kenny Rosenthal, best in the biz. He put out an article last night. I was up later than normal, like 10, 10.30 with some rumors. And I was like, yeah, I'll check it out. You know, it's that, that time of year. And he kind of hinted at it, that the Brewers, they've got Devin Williams, nastiest changeup in the game. He hasn't given up a run in, I think, three months or so. Uh, a, a guy that can shift over to the closers role. And you've got Josh Hader, who's getting more expensive, who you're probably not going to sign to an extension. And... The Brewers, I, I guess you could say it, they're a small market club. So yeah. they've they've got to make moves to both keep them in 
contention. They're going for their fifth straight playoff appearance, which is just crazy to, to think about. But they've also got to make shrewd moves to keep the payroll down and keep contending into the future. So they take a little step back. You lose Josh Hader. You get Taylor Rogers, who's had great peripherals for, for his entire career. He's been a, a closer who can step in. And they get some really interesting prospects back from the Padres. Yeah. Um, guys that for you know the next two, four years, you can watch for them to, to come up to keep that contention window open because they've got starting pitchers. We we know all about that. They need hitters, and, and so that that was the the move that they made. It, 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 again, it just feels like you can always go get another closer. Mm-hmm. And when you when you need a closer right now, they're just they're they're you're you're ready to move them around because somebody else can be a closer later. And closers don't tend to be in those positions for a long, long time. Right. Noted exceptions, Mariano Rivera, but they tend to be really great closers for a short window, Mm -hmm. and then you move on. So all that you're saying now makes more sense. That I mean, obviously, in the Brewers' front office has done something right to be always contending in this era of their – and and making the playoffs. Now, I don't know. You know, it could be concerned, like, did you give up, you know, so that – you're not going to get over the hump and into an NLCS and into a World Series, which I think would be a lot of fun to see if the Cubs aren't in it. I think that'd be fun. I like it when I see a small market, but I don't think TV execs like it, but I like <laughs> it when I see a small market team get in. I liked it when the Kansas City Royals got in. I liked it when the Tampa Bay Rays got in. But It's, it's fun as, for us. It's not yeah. as sexy. Yeah, no. if you're in, yeah. All right, we've got some football to get to. Uh, uh, a number change and then a number change. Big stuff to get to when it comes to football. We'll hear from Keith Randolph, also a couple of the Illini assistant coaches, to bring you some audio as to how things are going three days into camp as we approach opening day of football. Stay with us. Hi, it's Len Casper. Tune in tonight for White Sox Baseball here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. Continuing on this Monday edition of Sports Talk, Steve Kelly of the News Gazette Sports Writers are on deck for hour number two. Football training camp, day number three in the books for the Illini. Defensive lineman Keith Randolph, part of that law firm of Randolph and Newton, as it's been dubbed by Brett Bielma. Had made a ceremonious change from number 88 to zero. And then when the fall roster came back out, he's back at 88. You got to explain yourself. I've went through so much like wearing 88. I, I started wearing a junior high school. I've had it always until last year. And I put in blood, sweat, tears, you know, hard work. And I feel like I made it to a point where like if people watch Illinois, they see 88, they know, oh, okay, like, that's Keith. So there's no, I feel like, you know, I feel like I couldn't leave her. So I started playing uh, football in junior high school, right? I didn't know nothing about football, right? And I'm picking on numbers, and coach is like, oh, here's 90, here's 99. I'm like, girls don't, girls like receivers and quarterbacks and stuff. So back I'm thinking, okay, 88's a receiver number, or like it's, you know, people who catch balls. Well, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take 88, and it just stuck, you know, and it makes me look like different. 
guess after missing most of the spring, just how you you feeling this, this camp started? I love it, man. I'm just I'm so excited to get back out there with my brothers. Um, just being back out there makes me feel alive again. You know, when I was out in the spring, it made me love the game so much more. You know, and I already loved it a ton. It made me love it so much more. Just seeing my boys out there grinding, I'm just happy I can be back out there grinding with them. What's the biggest step for you? Even, even though you couldn't participate fully, maybe I'm just the biggest step for you from when the season ended last year where you're at now. Getting comfortable, uh, maturity as well. You know, I'm about to go to my fourth year. And just getting uh, more comfortable around the coaching staff and my teammates as well. You know, we've had transfers come in, people leave and come in freshmen. Just getting, you know, making our team more so a family. So, What's the feeling like for, for you and maybe Johnny in like year two of this system? Knowing what you're supposed to be doing yeah. and feeling comfortable. Very comfortable. Um, I love it, actually. I love it. You know, um, just having one year under my belt, you know, now I know what the coaches are expecting. Now I know what my position coach is expecting. Now I know what I'm expecting out of myself. And now I know, like, what my teammates expect out of me and what I expect out of my teammates. So. Keith, it's a big year for Calvin Avery. Yeah. Uh, stepping in there, how's he looked so far? Uh, huge year. Huge year for Calvin. Uh, I'm excited for him, you know. Um, in the past, there's been hiccups. You know, there's been, you know, players that's been good. We've had, like, really good noses in the past, but it's Calvin's turn. I see him out there grinding, so I'm really excited for his future. What's RJ bringing here? That is Keith Randolph talking today after practice number three. So the origin of number 88 was to get girls. <laughs> Shock. <laughs> and... Then he realized uh, he's got branding to think about. (laughs) So Johnny Newton, his partner on the defensive line, wanted number zero when this whole thing, and he and Randolph got first dibs on zero, so Newton picked four, and then he gives up zero. And Johnny Newton said that he didn't talk to Keith Randolph for a whole day when he learned (laughs) kind of on the slide that he's back to 88. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can understand it. You don't you don't hold a long term grudge, but something like that. Numbers are big, you know. Like he said, like he said, branding. You know, I, I've I've been econ five on everything since like the fourth grade, and that's because I wore the number five, and it all gets thrown off when somebody takes the number five. So, um, I, I'm I'm glad, and hopefully they can get over it and start building up that that chemistry again. But uh, those kinds of everybody's worried about nil man numbers. Those can cause rifts in locker rooms. Basketball. Baseball, football, is there a sport where the number means more? Ooh. No, I, I, it, it, it's all kind of the same. Yeah, I, maybe, maybe football just because it's structured where you have, if you're in this position group, you usually well, stick was. between. Not in college, obviously. We just kind of threw out the rules when it goes to that. But um, it used to be that way. Yeah, My goodness. They 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 mean a little something to everybody, and then of course there's the the folks who don't care. You know, the the guy who is given this number, and he goes, "Okay, I'll wear it." Dylan Cease wearing the number eighty four. I think that's his spring training number. <laughs> He's just like, <laughs> "Okay, we'll roll with it." <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's a little bit on the uh, defensive line. Offensively, tight end Tip Ryman is uh, now a married man, and he discusses life as a newlywed it definitely helps me grow up a lot faster than a lot of people um which i love and i've always felt like an old soul so kind of fit the part 
How does that translate to to a football player right. and just your role on the team that yeah. kind of I guess mature beyond your years? Right. right. Um, I feel like it solidifies the leadership role on the, with the guys and stuff. Um, this is what I told Coach B is uh, she makes me the best man outside of football, and I believe how you do one thing is how you do everything. So if I'm the best man outside of football, I know I'm going to be the best me in football itself too. Um, is this new offense pretty tight end friendly? Yeah, yeah, it's great. Tight ends are loving it. Everybody's having a good time with it. It's it's a good time. And Coach Lunny's a former tight ends coach, you know, at Arkansas. So he's got a good eye for everything, able to help us out on the field and in the in the meeting rooms and everything. You got an interesting journey. Rod Smith took a chance and he's a walk right. on. Um, obviously bulked up a ton, mm-hmm. but and, and got a big role in this team. Just take me through what, what this journey's been like for you. It's been awesome. It's been an answer to prayer for sure. Um, I could have never imagined all of this happening, you know, how it's happened. And uh, I'm just really grateful for, you know, the shot to get my foot in the door here. And then, um, you know, I was I was fortunate enough to have the right opportunities so I could take it as high as I have so far. There you go with Tip Ryman, Illinois uh, tight end, probably about third uh, or second on. Uh, I lost my sheet here. I'm trying to think. Luke Ford. Tip Ryman, Michael Marquez, that's probably your, your top three mm-hmm. in terms of uh, – and then maybe Henry Boyer might might slip in there uh, as the the fourth guy that could get make some noise. Um, plays from scrimmage. A lot of times tight ends will get in on special teams and all that. Mm-hmm. I think Ryman caught a touchdown pass in the spring game, if I remember right. So. Yep, that did. And he caught one last season too, right? Yes. Was it – Yes. Am I imagining that? No, you're not. I think he I was it the Penn right. State game. That now that I might be imagining. I feel like it was a game at home. Okay, but you tend to be sharper yeah. on this than than I am. Sometimes we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so that is some of what is going on with football. We got some audio from uh, uh, Kevin Kane, outside linebackers head coach, or assistant coach, I should say, and George McDonald on the receivers. Want to bring you as well. Want to tell you about CU under construction. Not just new things that they work on for you. They also work on older things. Take a home in Saybrook, Illinois where they wanted to preserve character, architecture of a home, and they upgraded style of this old home and put in more protection with a brand-new metal roof on that home. And they don't just do residential. They can also do commercial. Well, in this case, an apartment building that's on Illinois Street in Urbana. There's some pictures on their Facebook page. Beautifully done artwork on the outside, but on the inside... The apartments were upgraded by CU under construction as well. They did over 115 apartment remodels this year on the U of I campus. And when it came to doing the outdoor lighting on that beautiful apartment mural, they turned to CU Electric, which is part of CU Trade Services, which is the sister company. So they have everything all in-house when it comes to the work they do. So they don't have to subcontract, and they have experts on hand for all the big projects. Maybe it's a renovation. Maybe it's an addition. Maybe it's a restoration. Whatever it is. CU Under Construction. They're online at cuunderconstruction.com. Phone number 217-954-0385. Or you can just Google them. On the latest episode of Inside Atlanta Basketball, we discuss ZZ Clark going overtime elite, Zachary Perrine, and Illinois' non-conference schedule. Caught it against Minnesota. Tip Ryman caught it 
against Minnesota. Game-winning touchdown. Yep. That was big. Minnesota was a little shorthanded in that ball game. It'll be very interesting to see what the Gophers are this year. Mm-hmm. Given Mo Ibrahim is uh, back, got a good quarterback. They Tur- lost their seven foot, four hundred pound offensive lineman. I can't remember who drafted him, but you know who he, I'm talking he, about. Yeah, I mean, he he drafts for himself, you know. <laughs> 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 yeah, I can't think of his name. I mean, I I could see who, but I cannot remember his mm-hmm. name. I, I know where you're going. Uh, let's talk some lower football. Illinois outside linebacking coach Kevin Kane and discussing number three on the practice day charts. How's it feel? Back in it? Oh, it's good. We're back at the grind. So it's been a good. It's been a good first three days. First day of pads was all, was a lot of fun, and um, you know I think uh, we've made a lot of progress in, in a year and a half here. I don't know if you're aware, but it gets hot this time of year. Are you guys insane? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I don't know who thought about this fall camp thing like this, but uh, no, it's been good. The guys have handled it well. Our, our uh, training staff, our, our, our strength and conditioning guys, they've done a great job preparing these guys all, all summer long. And it's been a hot summer, so they've been working in it. So, uh, you know, these guys got it, their bodies are a tool. They know that. They've been taking care of themselves, and, and, and our support staff all around them are being able to get whatever they need. What are the measurements for you in camp? Obviously, it plays out in wins and losses later, but are there markers for you that you know you're getting where you need to be? Yeah, I think so. For me personally, in our room, we got a lot of new faces. Well, not new faces, but guys, a lot of a lot of young faces that are going to have to have to replace a lot of reps. So, uh, I just want to see the confidence built with with those guys on the field and in their performance. And, and it showed in the spring and the first three practices with with with, with Seth and Zeke and, and Alec Bryant guys. It's starting to show up where they're going to own the field a little bit. So, that's kind of what I'm gauging my my room in particular. And then as the defense gels together. I think that's what we're looking for. Coach mentioned Gabe Akis, and uh, when a head coach mentions a freshman, a true freshman catches my attention. Possibility for him to see some game time? Yeah, we'll see. You know, uh, you know, you never want to say a true freshman is going to get thrown out to the wolves. You know, but you know, Gabe, Gabe has been blessed with some some physical talent. You know, he's a big, strong kid, and, and you know, he's just a natural football player. So you know, he's getting a lot of opportunities right now, and, and that's up to him to kind of take the, take it and run with it. And are there clues for him or anybody else where you can tell they're not just good in practice, they'll be good in game? You know, there's there's guys that supposedly kind of show up sometimes when the when the lights are on, and guys that are just good in practice. Can you tell how that will carry over? Yeah, you know, I think. Uh, with, with young guys especially, because they, they don't have a, the, the full understanding of the playbook yet. And they're learning the playbook, but all of a sudden you see them out there making plays, you know they're going to be a pretty good football player. Uh, they might be messing up, but they're making plays. So that's always a good sign. So a lot of those young guys are doing some stuff right now where they don't quite understand what's going on yet, but they're out around the football having fun and just playing football. And uh, I think those a lot of our young guys are doing that, not just in the outside linebacker position, but all over the field. You've done this a long time. Can you, can you give me an indication as to what the summer work for the first time was able to do for you now in these first couple of days? How far ahead are you on in day three in camp just because you've oh, had the summer? Yeah, no, the, that was huge. You know, the ability to, to, to get with your guys and, and work individual and do certain things and, and sit in the classroom and do things. Like we've installed our package three times now. Uh, so our guys know what to do. Now the, it's just the, going out and execution and the physicality part of it that match up. But from a 
from a, a learning standpoint, we were able to kind of get with these guys and, 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 and install our stuff. And now they've heard it again and again and again. That's only going to help us. Is that the big thing where, you know, you're in day, th- you're just finishing day three and there's just maybe even less install and more just fundamental work now and get yeah. down? Shoot, man. We are almost our whole package is in right now, you know, so it's, it's day three. We've got a lot of stuff in and, and, you know, there's some stuff we got to correct, but for the most part, our guys handled it really well. And, and like you said, this is a the, the good fundamentals win, win football games, bad fundamentals win, uh, lose games. So that's what we're really harping on right now is here's the package. Now let's work on the craft. I mean, that's what we're doing. Shimon Cooper can bounce back and forth between inside and outside. How's he looking on the outside? For yeah, Shimon's really done a great job from his transition from spring ball. Kind of, He's embraced that role where he's at right now. And, and uh, I'm really excited to see where he's at. He's having fun. He's, he's smiling. He's, he's having some excitement about him. Uh, you know, he's, he just continues to progress. I think he'll, he'll be able to help us out. Gabe's yeah. a pretty big kid. Any, any chance we'll see him with the, at some point with his hand on the ground, or you like him more? You know, he's an out, uh, for our outside backers, we're a little different. You know, so uh, yeah. we like to stand up and see things. All right, and so, uh, but you know, who knows what's going to happen? You know, we're going to play the best guys on the field when we can, and, and if Gabe's one of those guys with his hand on the ground, that's what it's going to be. But you know, we're excited to see what he can do in the future for sure. All right, there's Kevin Kane, outside linebacking, defensive end. If you're Lauren Tate, he he won't. He prefers that. Because really, they're they're neither. They're called edge. They're edge players now. That's yeah. You that's, could drop back. You could come at the quarterback. It's part of the whole guessing game that offense has to look at. It's the kind of defense I run. Going for my seventh national championship at Illinois here. Oh, on uh, on the video game. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get we'll get working on the real Champagne Urbana here eventually. <laughs> <laughs> needs a needs a little more help. Um. All right, back to baseball. I wanted to bring this up. Who are likely to make um, some of the who, – who's made the biggest moves so far? Yankees, Houston. I would say the sum of the moves that the Yankees have made are probably the biggest. But as far as the biggest impact, putting Luis Castillo at the top of that Mariners rotation is probably the, the biggest move. Instant ace? Yeah. And they've already got Robbie Ray, but yeah, yeah, he's going to slide right into their number one. Okay, so he Seattle trying to fortify their position in the playoffs as opposed to going to get the division. Mm-hmm. But it just strikes me as as teams that are um, Seattle's not solidly in the postseason, but the Yankees, Houston, and the Dodgers, if they get you know more here, and they might. Yeah, I these are teams that are already have it in hand. I get Soto's a different beast because that's a guy you want no matter what. But uh it, it's just curious how this is playing out where it's the big moves are not on teams that are almost in it. I mean even even the stinking Orioles are only 3 games out of yeah. a well and they give up Mancini and I understand that's probably not a team this year that's built for the long haul here through October. But you just waved the flag, mm-hmm. and, and they they figured that was going to happen. Uh, Mancini probably the only move. Maybe they they trade a reliever along the way as well. But they, I their front office did not expect to be five hundred here at game one hundred four or whatever that that we're at, and that doesn't change the plans. Uh, they've got just 
prospects out the wazoo ready to come up in this next wave over the next couple of years. So you don't really want to mortgage that to go in on a team that's not going to win the division. But at the same time, Mancini's an expiring contract who they'd kind of been rumored for the last couple of years to be moving on. And I haven't looked exactly at the return that they got, but whoever they got must have enticed them enough to make the move. But the the big moves are, are still to come. Uh, the the rumors out there that are swirling uh, as soon as I say Soto's not going to get dealt. Now it sounds like there's getting momentum for him heading out west, and that that'll that'll cause a, a ripple effect for for all of the other moves. Because yeah, the the Dodgers they never stay pat. We know the the Padres are, are never content with with AJ Preller in there, and, and some teams yeah like the Cardinals. You're you're just waiting. They've got to make a move. It's got to be something other than Imando Sosa for Jojo Romero that, that came out <laughs> on Saturday. That was just kind of like a, a, okay, there better be more coming. So, yeah, a, a, a lot of teams that you would think would make moves, they're, they're on the, the timer to make something happen because the teams at the top are, are making those moves. Meanwhile, Shohei Otani not moving, uh, but apparently there were serious offers made and maybe it was theater for the Angels, but they were entertaining serious offers. And I think the White Sox had even a play on that, which, again, that would have solved a couple of problems for them, like <laughs> a left-handed bat and a starting pitcher. What a unique, just the, there, there, there's better words for it, but just what a, a unique player in Shohei Otani in that you could get two, you could fill two holes with one position or, or, or one player along the way. It'd probably take a whole lot to, to give up, but... That's, I mean, you just can't do that with anybody else. Well, I, I, I'm starting to get more and more on the Aaron Judge for MVP train, even though on Friday I said, you know, again, if I could pick one player right now to as a first pick among current active players in Major League Baseball, I'd choose Shohei Otani. Mm-hmm. Even though I think right now the person you least want to pitch to is Aaron Judge. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather pitch to Shohei Otani than I would Aaron Judge, even as a right-hander. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's a it's a, a fight line. I mean, Judge is having a historic season, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of guys connected to steroids and a couple of historic Yankees, I mean, nobody's hit as many home runs as he has here so far. So yeah, you you probably got to give him to that. But it, it's the same kind of thing. I mean, they couldn't give LeBron the MVP for 15 years in a row. They can't give it to Shohei for the rest of his career. So they'll find <laughs> ways to give other guys MVPs. But year in, year out, Shohei's going to be in that mix. Yeah, I, that's where I say he is the most valuable player to have. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's going to finish in double-digit war for the rest of his life. I mean, he's a, <laughs> a two, three starter, and he's somewhere between two and six in your lineup as well. I, I mean, just a guy, even Mike Trout can't put that up. I think his best season's like a 10-9 war or something like that. All right. Uh, we will come back. I got some audio for you from Illini receivers coach George. See what we're doing here? We're just doing... Mm-hmm. Left, right, left, right, bounce back between. It's ba- that time of year. If you're like, stop talking baseball. I wanted to talk football. Well, we just did that. We're going to do that. And then we just <laughs> stop talking football. I want to talk baseball. That's how we're doing this. Uh, second hour with the News Gazette sports writers as well. Stay with us. All right, lots of questions abounding about Illinois wide receivers this year. 
and Geo, George McDonald, the assisted coach heading up that crew, spoke with us today as well after practice on the gridiron. Of running routes and being crafting and, and creating separation. I think those guys have done a really good job working together and then working as with the new rules. So it feels like you don't need as much individual. So we're able to start a little bit faster when we started practice on Sunday in terms of what we had, where we started with from a fundamental standpoint. Uh, what are you getting Jonah Morris? What is he bringing? Big physical receiver. You know, he runs well. He's big. He attacks the ball in the air. So it's been fun watching his development over the last couple of days. How about Cody Case? Cody's good. I mean, he has really short, good short area quickness, very competitive. You know, he's faster than, than what I thought now that I see him live. Um, tough player. He, he made a nice, couple nice blocks today. So adding those guys, I think, improves the room just because now you got more guys who've actually played in college football at, at whatever level, but they just bring a little different intensity and a little different urgency to, for the whole group to develop and grow. Who's standing out among the freshmen right now? I mean, they're all doing a good job. You know, it's hard judging the freshmen because you really have two waves. You have the mid-year guys like Sean and Ian who are here, so they're really like redshirt freshmen. And then you have Hank and Ashton, and, and both of those guys, in terms of Hank and Ashton, you know, they've all made plays. You know, Ashton made a couple nice plays today and yesterday. Hank's, you know, he's a natural ball catcher, and he's done a good job just naturally learning the, the position. So I've been happy with their development. And then Sean and Ian have done a good job. You know, they came in in the spring, so they know kind of the rhythm and how we do things, and they've done a nice job just progressing progressing every day and, and getting better. So it's been fun to watch that group, you know, for the first time all together, you know, come along. What's the dynamic of trying to build chemistry on the field with uh, different arms, especially if you don't know necessarily who's QB1 in a month? Um, I tell them the ball comes, you better catch it. So the chemistry is with the ball, not the player. So, you know, that's the thing that we talk about. We're trying to build trust that whoever throws us the ball, that we're going to come down with it. And that's something that we've been talking about, you know, trying to throw the ball vertically, just going up and attacking the ball, making that catch and just finding chemistry with the football. And then whoever's throwing it, just building that trust with that person. How, how did Sean rebound after the injury? And what's he look like right now? He's doing good. You know, he attacked the, the rehab with, with JB all summer, and, and he's, he looks good. His body's good. And I think now it's just a matter of, you know, anytime you come back from an injury, it's just a matter of gaining your confidence. But from a physical standpoint, you know, he's right on track. And, you know, you see his quickness, and we got him out there, you know, doing stuff. So I think he'll be he'll be ready to go. And he keeps progressing, you know, what he, where he left off in the spring till today. You know, he's done a lot of good things. Casey said something interesting the other day about kind of telling us, you guys know we're still going to be predicated on running the ball. And it seemed like receiver, your 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 self-worth sometimes gets on targets and receptions right. and touchdowns. You seem to have some buy-in in your room about the overall concept of the offense and what we're trying to do. Yeah, you know, blocking is a non-negotiable. We're always going to run the ball. You know, we got great linemen. We got great backs. You know, I think what we're trying to do is be, be a little bit more balanced. But we all know in the Big Ten, you got to be able to run the ball. And to win championships, you got to run the ball. So, you know, we're committed to the run. You know, we're, you know, it takes 11 guys to run the ball. And then when we throw the ball, we got to make sure we're as dynamic as our running backs. So I think we're feeding off the running backs. We want to we wanna be dynamic about like those guys. But when you got Chase, Josh, and then you got, you know, Jordan Anderson, and, and you have um, Aiden Lawfrey, like you got some dy- dynamic guys back there. Like if the ball comes your way, you better make sure you're on, on yeah. your guy so they can do what they do. Because, you know, we're going to start with the run. We're going to end with the run but we're going to get the fans excited with the pass. That's the first time I'd thought about that uh, interplay with the passing game and a running game and what that might do for the energy in your wide receiver room or maybe even take it a step further to recruiting. If you're a run-first offense, and that's Brett Bielma's historic bread and butter, how do you entice 
the skill wide receivers <laughs> to come and be involved? And how do you keep the guys that are here, uh, you know, kind of salivating about what might get called from the sideline for a play? That's a that's a struggle for a lot of Big Ten teams is finding that and. and Sometimes teams can find one guy on the outside that kind of stands out. Ohio State kind of runs it when it comes to uh, super skilled wide receivers. But, yeah, the the Illini, we'll, we'll see what kind of mix they bring because uh, talking with Isaiah Williams last week, it sounded like it's completely different, whereas you, you talk with George McDonald and he's saying run, 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 but we'll catch the ball when it gets there. Uh, just really interested to see what Barry Lunny's offense looks like. Maybe. They're trying to give us different looks. <laughs> All part of a coordinated front they're putting up to keep us guessing. Us, Wyoming, Indiana, throw throw everybody off the scent. You know what, though? I think there's still going to be a run-heavy offense. No doubt. Yeah. Okay, we're back tomorrow. We'll bring you some uh, Illinois volleyball from Media Days up in Chicago and plenty more. The News Gazette sports writers are standing by on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS. Champaign-Urbana news update on the way. Brought to you by ABC Heating and Air.